0: Temptation has been with us for over a long period of time. Across generations, men and women have struggled with this particular issue of temptation. We want to do it. We know we shouldn't. But if you look closely, the book of James has a pattern that it recognizes when it comes to temptation. And today, Ray Preacher is going to be taking us through part two concerning this topic of temptations. Mean. we're going to talk about the ugly baby and the concept or the plan of forward leaning defense but before ray can continue with part 2 i want to remind you that every monday, wednesday and friday at 9 p.m. east african time we have a live podcast called cabin devil's come let's pray together let's uh, talk about god's word together just before we go to bed the link to cabin devils has been posted in the description to this podcast you're invited and i would like to encourage you to invite more and more of your friends those of you who are already part of cabin devils keep it up i'm really grateful and encouraged at the fact that you are a part of this ministry i hope that you've been encouraged and if you have please go ahead and share that link with a friend so they can also be a part of cabin devils right now let's have ray Preacher.
1: It is very difficult to resist the temptation that you've already rehearsed in your mind. You want something to talk about in the discussion period, talk about that. It is very difficult to resist a temptation you have already rehearsed in your mind. You think about getting angry. You ponder what you're going to say. You rehearse in your mind those angry words uh, that you're going to put out to somebody, or in the area of sexual temptation, you rehearse something in your mind? Yes, the person has said, that's right. It is much more difficult to resist a sin when you have practiced it beforehand in your mind. Where does it end? Well, verse, end of verse 15, when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Twice in this passage, James uses the image of birth. Evil desire gives birth to sin, Sin gives birth to death. Now, we prefer not to hear this. We don't want to talk about it in this metaphor of birth because really, and I I do understand that we all do, there's few things in life are more wonderful than the birth of the baby. Here in America, it's a big deal. Now, you get pregnant and everybody knows about it, and then the gender reveal. I mean, that gender reveal, that's gotten really big on social media, on Twitter, especially on Facebook, you send out the invitations and you have the big party and the balloons and you're gonna find out if it's a boy or girl. And I understand hardly anything in this world more wonderful than the birth of a baby. But James is reminding us, spiritually speaking, not all babies are beautiful. Sin, once conceived in the heart, leads only to death. Death to us, death to our relationships, and death in our relationship with God. When sin is full-grown, it gives birth to the monster of death. There's nothing beautiful about that. Uh, you want to have an interesting Bible study sometime? Just go back. Just take these three verses and study the metaphors that James is using here, because they are they are metaphors that open to us the reality of sin that leads to temptation, or temptation that leads to sin that leads to death So let's put this in another context. First Peter 58 says, be sober, be vigilant, be careful, be cautious. your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. If we take Peter's word seriously, this is what it means for you and me. he's hungry and you are on the menu. Now I remind you this evening Satan's number one tool is discouragement. I think far beyond issues of anger or bitterness or lust, Satan's number one tool is discouragement. If he's got you discouraged, if he can get you kind of backed into a corner where you feel like giving up, if he can get you to the place on the battlefield where you just throw down your weapons and you take off the armor of God and start to walk off the battlefield, he has won the battle. So remember, his number one tool is discouragement, and he doesn't. Fight fair. Doesn't fight fair. Now, shortly, what are we going to do about this? I want to give you three suggestions. Make a make one story, and then I'm done. Three suggestions, one story, and I am done. Shortly after 9 11, when the Al Qaeda terrorist attacked the World Trade Center in New York City and the Pentagon in Washington D.C., that the folks behind on our side uh, of the battle of terror, battle against terror. They came up with the concept of, watch this, forward leaning defense. Forward leaning defense. They said, if we wait for the bad guys to come to us, it's too late. It was too late once those terrorists had traveled from the Middle East to the United States. And the whole idea was we got to take the battle to where they are. They called it forward-leaning defense. It's the same way in the spiritual life. If you wait until you're tired, it's too late. If you wait until you're in the the furnace, it's too late. If you wait until you're under the starry skies with someone and it's uh, 11 p.m. at night and you're beginning to feel the temptation in one direction or another, my friends, it's almost too late then. We gotta practice forward-leaning defense. Let me give you three, three suggestions to to arm yourself against Satan's attacks. Number one, may I suggest to you that you begin to memorize the word of God. Now I know word of life is big on this. We've been big on this ever since the ministry started 75, 80 years ago. And there's a reason for this. Psalm 119 verse 11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse nine, how can a young man Cleanse his ways, how can he make himself pure by taking heed according to your word john seventeen seven I sanctified Jesus prayed, sanctify them, Lord, through your truth, your word is truth. I wish honestly that forty five or fifty years ago I had taken this as seriously as I'm trying to take it now. It's really only been in recent years i've I've always tried to memorize scripture, but in recent years i've I've tried to memorize bigger chunks of scripture. And so the book of Galatians, I managed to memorize that. And First Thessalonians and the book of James. And yeah, that, that took me a, a number of months to do it. It's not easy to do. But I think it's really been a blessing to my heart. So let me tell you a story. This comes from the years when Marlene and I were living in the city of Chicago. And I was pastoring on the west side, one of the western suburbs of the city of Chicago. In that church, we had a whole bunch of of college and career age young people who came to our church. I mean a whole bunch, and they came, we had a lot of medical schools nearby, a lot of colleges, universities, and so they were coming in and out of the church all the time. One day, a young man who was new to our church made an appointment to come in and see me. I knew his name and I had seen him around the church, but he was new. Like I mean, he'd been there maybe a month or so, or two months maybe, and I had not really gotten I'd not really met him and not really been able to talk to him. So what I'm saying is just, he was coming in to see me, but I didn't know enough about him to know what it was he wanted to talk about. Fine looking young man, single, uh, truly loved the Lord, was raised by missionary parents. Now he was teaching out in the public schools. Well, he came to see me and he said, Pastor Ray, I've got a problem. What is it? He said, I am struggling with my thought life. He said, I'm trying to share Christ with the students in my school, but I come home in the evening, and he said, I feel like I'm falling in the area of, failing in the area of moral purity, and I don't know what to do about it, and you know, pastors get that kind of issue, or that kind of question all the time, But this young man was different, he was so sincere, he was so earnest, wasn't blaming anybody else, wasn't making any excuses, truly wanted to be set free, and I said to him, well, my friend, may I make a suggestion? He said, yes. I said, and if I ask you to do something, will you do it? And immediately he said, whatever you ask me to do, pastor, I will do. He was so earnest, so deeply committed. And I said, okay, are you willing to memorize scripture? He said, sure, I'm willing to do that. He said, but I've done that before. And he had been raised in a program uh, as a young man where they did a lot of scripture memory, but it hadn't really seemed to help him. I, and I said, I want to give you something hard to do. He said, give it to me. And so I said something to him that I've never actually said to anybody else before or anybody else since. I said, are you serious? He said, yes, I am. I said, I'd like to ask you to start memorizing Psalm 119. Wow. Well, he smiled at me because he knew as I did, that's the longest chapter in the Bible that has 176 verses in it. I mean, not very many. We have trouble, most of us, reading through Psalm 119. Almost nobody ever takes time to memorize it. And he said, okay, I'll do it. I said, you serious? He said, yeah, I'm serious. So we made an agreement. This was like in maybe uh, February or March of that year. And I said, here's what I want you to do. Every Sunday when you come to church between services. Once you come up and see me and just tell me how you're doing And I said, if you come to church or you skip, or you don't come see me, I'm going to figure that you just decided to quit. He said, no, I'll come see you. So the very next Sunday, he came to see me. He said, I've, I've gotten started. He said, I'm on verse three. I said, good, keep going. He came back the next Sunday. He said, I'm on verse 10. And I said, are you liking? And he said, yeah, it's pretty good. And it was that way. For two or three months, through March, and April, and May, he'd come to me and he'd say, "Pastor Ray, I'm to verse 15." Then some Sundays he'd say, "Man, this week I learned verse 22," and or some Sundays I'm like, uh, "Pastor Ray, let me give you. I mean, this is in the hallway of the church between services. Let me give you verse 43," and he quoted with a big smile on his face. We got to the beginning of the summer, and he was maybe. Verse 70, 75, 80, something like that. Something, maybe about halfway through. He was going to go away and be a camp counselor. But he said, Pastor Ray, don't worry. I'm going to continue that during the summer. I didn't see him in June. Didn't see him in July. Didn't see him in August. In September, he came back. I wondered if he'd stayed with him. He came to see me the first Sunday between services. Pastor Ray, I'm on verse hundred and. 26. And he quoted it for me. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great. He looked like a new man. So through the rest of September and all through October, I'm on 150, I'm on 162, I'm on 170. Finally came to the Sunday, he said, Pastor Ray, I'm done. And I said, my friend, would you do me a favor? He said, sure. I said, would you come into my office and let me just sit down behind my desk and would you recite for me all, psalm 119 he said i'd love to so following wednesday afternoon he came in to see me i sat down he said do you mind if i stand up i said no not at all he stood up and he started to walk around and as he walked around he started with verse one and he began to quote all psalm 119 he did it Verse by verse, he did it word perfect. The only time he ever stopped was to say, man, that's a great verse, or Pastor A, listen to this, or man, that one's incredible, or that verse really, really helped me. He got all the way to the end of Psalm 119, all 176 verses he recited for me in my office. I congratulated him. I thanked him. I prayed for him. He was getting up from his seat, and he was about to leave the room. And as he was leaving my office, I said, hey, I just got one more question. He said, what is it? I said, how about that problem you had in the beginning? He said, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Why should stories like that surprise us? The Bible says, the entrance of thy words giveth light when the word comes in the garbage has to go when the word comes in the junk has to go when the word comes in everything else that is standing between us and the lord it has to go that was many 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 years ago i hear from that young man two or three times a year he is now happily married to a christian woman and for almost 20 years now They have been building a Christian family together for the glory of God. If he could talk to you this morning, he would say it was the entrance of the word of God into his heart. Memorizing the word changed his life. So that is my suggestion number one, memorize God's word. Number two,